0: Good Good morning. Good to see all of you here this morning. We're so glad you're here today. If you are new and we haven't met, my name's Kyle. I'm one of the pastors here and we are wrapping up our series in the book of Acts. And the name of the series has been the early church, they were faithful and fruitful. And so uh, if you've got your Bibles and you want to turn with me to Acts chapter 28, we're going to be looking there, kind of working around there. But a special thanks to Adam the last couple of weeks, doing a great job bringing the messages and kind of setting us up today. Today we're basically talking about perseverance this morning, and I, I got to thinking about a story of perseverance that goes along uh, with where we're going today. Several years ago, um, around 4th of July every year, we get together with my in-laws, and a few years ago, we, had, we were just sitting around watching fireworks, and we had this bucket of ice that didn't have anything in it. It was just ice, and someone had the harebrained idea to sti- see who among all the family members could leave their foot or their hand in the ice the longest. And so we'd, we'd have this competition where different people were putting it in there, and I remember thinking, you know, I'm pretty stubborn. I'm just going to get my foot or my, I don't remember if it was my hand or my foot, put my hand or my foot in there and just leave it in there. And I did pretty well for, did pretty good for a while. And then it just, it started getting really cold and then it started stinging. (laughs) It started getting numb. And at some point I just thought, you know, this just isn't worth it anymore. And I ended up like getting one of the last place, one of the last ones to, first ones out. But my mother-in-law, who happens to be here today, Brenda, she won. She got first. And I don't know how long, but whether, whether it was her foot or her hand, she had it in the very longest. And when she pulled it out, my father-in-law looked at me and said, there was no way she was going to quit. She was just going to leave it in there no matter what happened. Hypothermia, frostbite, it didn't matter. And I remember that statement, you know, she wasn't going to quit. And I remember thinking of that then, but also thinking of it today because in this room, we have people right now, or watching online today, that things are hard. Maybe they f- don't feel frostbitten, but it's hard and it's painful and there's difficult things going on in your life. And we're going to learn today that through Christ, we don't have to quit. Amen? Amen. We can persevere. We can keep going. And so I want to encourage you this morning to keep going. In fact, say that with me. Keep going. That's what we've really looked at. And that's why we have this little tagline. It says the early church, but it says they were faithful and fruitful. And the reason they were able to be faithful, the reason they were able to be fruitful is because they didn't quit. They kept going. And someone here today, that was worth you coming to church today. Don't quit. Keep going. God wants to help you as you do that. Well, today, instead of just looking at chapter 28 specifically, we're just going to kind of sum up the rest of the book of Acts. So last week, Pastor Adam left us off in uh, chapter 16. And so we're going to talk for just a couple minutes this morning about what happens after chapter 16. And then we're going to look at just a verse in chapter 28 that kind of wraps everything up. So after chap- chapter 16, we see Paul being guided by the Holy Spirit, and he accomplishes all kinds of different things. And the book, second half of the book of Acts, it chronicles Paul's journeys, um, and it also talks about his ongoing struggles with Jewish authorities. I mean, he's shipwrecked, he's arrested. In fact, in Acts chapter 28, he's stung by a poisonous snake, and everybody's kind of like, oh, this is going to kill him, and God just helps him through that. There's all kinds of different things that happen. He has ongoing struggles with Jewish authorities, all because they're wanting to silence the Christian message. In fact, it's not just then that the message of Christ is trying to be silenced. We see it even in today's culture, um, the media and different people trying to silence the message of Jesus, but God endures, amen? He endures. So uh, at the end of the book, they managed to have Paul arrested, and he appears before several officials along the way, and then he finally appears to Caesar as a Roman citizen. And then this is how the book of Luke ends, the book. Um, and it's Paul waiting in Rome for trial. Now, how many of you um, will Google the end of a movie or read the last chapter of a book? Does anybody do that? Okay, a few of you do. I do it. My wife thinks it's stupid. Why do you do that? You're real. I don't like the suspense. I just want to know what's going to happen before it happens, right? I don't know why I'm that way. I guess I'm the only weird one here. <laughs> But in Acts chapter 28, all these things take place. Paul's overcome all this stuff. We see Christian martyrdom. We see all kinds of different things take place where despite all the pain and the hardship that's going on, Paul and others in in the book of Acts, they persevere and they proclaim the message of Jesus. But how Acts chapter 28 ends is kind of like, you ever watched a movie and the end is like, that's it? And sometimes it'll set up for a part two or something. Well, here's what we see in Acts chapter 28, verses 30 through 31. It says, For the next two years, Paul lived in Rome at his own expense, and he welcomed all who visited him, boldly proclaiming the kingdom of God and teaching about the Lord Jesus Christ. Let's read it. And no one tried to stop him. And yet it just kind of ends like that. He's on trial. He's he's still proclaiming the message of Jesus. And then the book ends. And I got to thinking about that. What happened the two years that Paul was on house arrest, these two years that he's sharing Jesus with other people? Well, one common theory is is that during those two years that Paul was under house arrest, he, he writes the prison epistles. The prison epistles were four books in the New Testament that he writes while he was arrested. Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, and Philemon. Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, and Philemon. Say that with me. Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, and Philemon. Say that five times fast. But it's during his house arrest where you think his dauber, so to speak, would be down, where you would, you would think that he would just kind of go in the hole mentally. It's during those times where he's facing the most persecution that he writes four books of the Bible, And then we see not only that he's in prison and that he's also writing these books, but we also see in Philemon chapter 1, verse 22, that he's hopeful that he's going to get out. Listen to this as he's writing. He says, one more thing. Please prepare a guest room for me. Let's read it. For I am hoping that God will answer your prayers and let me return to you soon. So despite all these things that are going on in his life, Paul is staying hopeful. And not only is he staying hopeful, but he's writing encouragement to these different churches and telling them to persevere. Well, following his release, he eventually gets released for a little while. He makes several trips and he writes 1 Timothy and Titus. And there's different um, versions of what happened next because we don't know for sure. But what we do know is that Paul continues the theme that we really see throughout the whole book of Acts. And it's simply that the proclamation of the gospel doesn't stop just because times have gotten difficult. Aren't you glad? In fact, let's read that together. The proclamation of the gospel doesn't stop just because times have gotten difficult. Now, I know somebody who wrote a book that happened to go along with this, what we're talking about, He happens to be our associate pastor here. And if you'd like to buy a book, he said they're $50 a piece. (laughs) I'm just kidding. But here's what Adam actually, Adam was on sabbatical when he wrote this book several years ago. And it goes along with the book of Acts. It's really helpful. And here's what Adam says. He says, that's what strikes me most about this first generation of the church. They never stopped praising God and sharing the gospel. Prison didn't stop them. The threat of death didn't stop them. There was a burning passion in their hearts to tell others about who? To tell others about who? About Jesus. In fact, he goes on, he says, there is no telling how many soldiers, I love this, there's no telling how many soldiers came through thinking they were holding Paul captive, but in reality, Paul was holding them captive, Man, talk about a circuit breaker. Even when he wasn't sharing Jesus directly with them, they had to sit there and listen when he taught others that came to visit. Man, how many times when we go through things, as I mentioned earlier, there's too many of us in here, somebody listening online, you're going through something right now. Could be financial, could be physical, could be a spiritual deal could be loneliness, depression, anxiety. It could be something. Maybe it is even a sin that you need to confess and repent of. But many of us, we go through things, and when we go through things, in fact, I would just ask you right now, For maybe not everybody here can think of something, but I would assume most of us can. And I'm not trying to bring it back up, but as I mentioned that today, is there something on your mind right now that's kind of troubling you in some way? If you can't think of anything right now, At some point, you can. And imagine, despite this hardship or this trouble that you're dealing with, that you're dealing with now, imagine saying, God, use this thorn in the flesh, use this struggle, use this thing to bring about your glory. I mean, that's essentially what Paul's doing. He's arrested, he's in prison, and he's sharing his faith with others. And he has this captive audience. Philippians chapter 1, verse 12, we said one of the prison epistles, one of the epistles that Paul writes while he's in prison was was to Philippi, the church in Philippi. And listen to his attitude here. He says, now I want you to know, brothers, that what has happened to me, has. let's read the rest of it, has really served. Can I just be real? Would we all feel that way? that what has happened to me, if I'm writing it, Kyle's writing it, what has happened to me stinks, I need out of here, somebody write the senator, I didn't do this, I'm not guilty of this, pray for me, right? He says, listen, I want you to know, brothers, that what has happened to me has really served to advance the gospel, and as a result, it has become clear throughout the whole palace guard and to everyone else that I am in chains for no reason, but I am in chains for Jesus. He says, because of my chains, most of the brothers in the Lord have been encouraged to speak the word of God more. How? What? Because of my pain, because of my suffering, because of my situation, because of my circumstances, because this bad thing right on earth perspective has happened to me, some good things have happened because of it. In fact, it has encouraged, encouraged other people to speak the word of God more courageously and fearlessly. Can I just say this? I don't believe that God causes pain, but I do believe that God uses pain. And painful stuff sometimes has a purpose for more than what we can just see on the surface. Which brings up this question that I was thinking about this week as I was preparing. Do we stop being the people of God and proclaiming the message of God when things get tough? Do do we stop being the people of God and proclaiming the message of God when things get tough? Can I give you some good news today? Difficulties don't prevent people from being faithful and fruitful for God. That's what the the scripture tells us. That's that's the examples that we see. So I want to tell you something today. Because of this good news, it means that people can still hear about the love of God through your words and actions, despite life not always being great for you and me. It's okay, you don't have to say amen, it's still true. <laughs> people can still hear the love of God through your words and your actions, despite life not being great. Someone needs to hear that today. Can I tell you this morning that there are people out there who are going through, because here's what the enemy likes to do. When we go through something difficult or hard, we like to think, or the enemy tries to get us to think, that we're the only ones no one can really identify. But we read throughout Scripture that Paul and different people write, listen, you're not the only one. Your brothers and sisters all over the world are facing the same type of suffering and persecution as you are. We're not the first ones, right, to face trials and sufferings and different things. And I'm not trying to minimize anybody's pain or loss or anything like that, But I would encourage us today to realize that despite what's going on, God wants to use you and maybe even to a greater degree through your pain. Now, I'll just be real with you. If I'm in prison, falsely accused of something, or because of my faith, there's a good chance I'm going to want to pout. But Paul, he doesn't pout. He starts writing Scripture. He writes to four different churches, right? Some of us have heard Philippians 3.14, or three thirteen, it says, "I press on toward the toward the heavenly prize." Uh, Philippians three ten says, "I want to know Christ and the power of His suffering and identify with Him in His resurrection." In Philippians chapter two verse five, he says, "Your attitude should be the same as Christ Jesus." He's writing all of this in prison, facing difficult situations. In Colossians, he, he talks about purity and not having any a hint of sexual immorality among you. He's writing this while he's in prison. In Ephesians chapter 5, verse 1, he says, be imitators of Christ. He's encouraging, he's imploring, he's doing this from his jail cell. Because he, he believed, and Scripture confirms it. People can still hear about the love of God through our words and actions, despite life not always being great for us. So, here's the question with that Are we letting God shape our hearts and our attitude about our troubles, or are we letting our troubles shape our heart and attitude? Come on. Are you letting God shape your heart and attitude about your troubles, right? Paul was letting the Holy Spirit, because see, here's what happens, right? Some of us know this. Maybe some of us don't. When we invite Jesus into our heart, not only does he save us from hell and we we spend eternity in heaven, but also what he does is he puts his spirit inside of us that's filled with love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness. Faithfulness. Say that with me. Faithfulness and self-control. And when he puts his spirit inside of us and we spend time with him and we fan that flame, the spirit inside of us, and it starts to grow inside of us, he starts to shape the way that we think and what we say and the, the tenderness and the pliability of our hearts. And he even begins to shape our perspective about tough times. But it requires surrender, right? Now, don't point at anybody but have you ever been driving with someone who's not driving and they tell you what to do the entire time? Please don't point at anybody. Now, I like to say that my wife likes to backseat drive, but here's what I'll say in her defense. If she's driving, I do the same thing, right? Because the reality is, is that we want to be in control, don't we? We're wired to want to be in control. We don't like it when somebody else is is in control. And a lot of times, the reason that we don't like being in control is because we don't trust the one that's in control. But folks, we can trust Jesus. We can trust him. We can trust him when he whispers in our ear, listen, I know you want to hold a grudge, but you need to let it go. Listen, I know that you want to hate your enemy, but, but as you read my word and you confirm it in my spirit, you need to pray for your enemies. And when they keep hurting you over and over, forgive them over and over. Folks, we serve a God that is so powerful and can consume us so much that he can begin to shape our hearts and attitudes about our troubles. That's okay. You don't have to say, man, I get it. It's hard. Some of you are in the middle of them, but that's good news today. We don't have to be negative. We don't have to be downcast. We don't have to fall into depression. We don't have to let anxiety take over. We can let his spirit take over our lives. Listen to what Paul writes, again, from prison, right, to Philippi. He writes, he says, basically, look, I've had a lot of different things in my life. I've had a lot of different experiences. Um, my, My grandma lives in the nursing home now, and I'll go visit her, and Sometimes I'll visit with other people that are there too, like if they're down in the lunchroom or something. I love listening to older people talk because they have a lot more experience than I do. And you talk about somebody who's been through it all. I mean, Saul went from persecuting the church to proclaiming the message of God to being you know, thought of greatly, to being shipwrecked, to being you know, persecuted, eventually killed. He says, not that I was ever in need, but I've learned how to be content with whatever I have. I know how to live on almost nothing or with everything. He says, I've learned the secret of living in every situation, whether it's with a full stomach, let's read it, or empty with plenty or little. I can't play the drums or I do the drum roll. You ready? He's getting ready to tell us what the secret is. In verse 13, he says, for I can do everything through Christ who gives me strength. In fact, let's read those yellow words. Ready? Through Christ. Paul says, "I've learned the secret, man. I'm not stressed. I've been I've had have had a lot, I've had a little, I've had in between. I've seen it all, and I can tell you that I can do everything through Christ who gives me strength." Now, when we read that, it's hopeful, but we can't miss those words in the middle that are really important. It's through Christ. And when I struggle and I get negative and I and I'm dealing with all I can get consumed with is is all the issues and all the struggles and the trials and the troubles. I have to remember, am I trying to do everything through my own pitiful strength? Or is it through Christ? Man, what would happen today if there would be some of us who maybe have forgotten that? You're trying to hold your family together on your own. You're trying to hold your circumstances and situation together on your own. You're trying to do the math on your own. What if you just said, Jesus, I give it to you. I trust you. Folks, difficulties don't prevent people from being faithful and being fruitful. Say that with me. Difficulties don't prevent people from being faithful and fruitful. So here's my question. I'm not trying to create some tension today, but here's my question. Despite your circumstances, whatever they are, are you being faithful and fruitful? Are you seizing the day, right? Are you taking the moments that you have with God and saying, God, could you use me? I mean, so many of us like the scripture in the Bible that says, "And it came to pass." And I'll be honest, me too. I, I we were at uh, NYC with the teens. I was on there, and while I was on the trip, I got as sick as I've ever been in my life for almost a day. And all of you know, when you're sick and you're not home, you're somewhere else. It stinks. I had to skip the evening session one evening, and I was really looking forward to the band that was there and the speaker that was going to speak. But I was so sick, I couldn't even hardly get out of bed. It was horrible. I called my wife and I'm like, I am so sick. I don't, what is going on? I've just got something wrong. And I was just praying for it to pass. And man, in our lives, sometimes we get that way where we have things going on and we just want them to pass, and there's nothing wrong with that, right? There's nothing wrong with not wanting to face suffering. In fact, Jesus models that in the Garden of Gethsemane, right? He says, Jesus, he says, God, if there's another way, may this cup pass from me, but not my will. But your will. What if we could pray that? What if we could pray, Lord, you know I want this cup to pass, but in the meantime, use me for your purpose. Difficulties don't prevent people from being faithful and fruitful. So as the band comes up today, are you being faithful? Are you being fruitful, even in difficult situations? Well, we see Jesus being faithful and fruitful and being obedient during difficult situations, we actually have the opportunity to take communion today and be reminded that Christ was faithful and that he was fruitful. In fact, if you don't know the story uh, today, and even if you do know the story, it's important to, to be reminded of it. I've shared this before. Sometimes my kids will say, tell me how you and Mom met again, Dad, or they'll say that to to Whitney. How did How did you guys meet? And the reason they want to know that is they want to hear that story, right? And man, we can never forget the story of what Jesus did for us. Amen. Jesus, He came into this world and He He was born sin free and He lived a sinless life and He He walked among us and He recruited disciples and they watched Him heal and they watched Him do all kinds of miracles for, for God. And he talked about the kingdom of God and what it looks like. And man, they got attached to him. They started thinking, man, I love this guy. He made, he's di- something different about him. And Jesus started preparing them. Listen, don't cling to me. I'm not always gonna be here. I'm not always gonna be around. Of course, one night they're breaking bread like they always did. And Jesus begins to explain to them that he's going to have to die. And he takes the bread. In fact, take your bread out, your little wafer. And he says, look, my body's going to have to be broken for you. They laid him over a stump and they flogged him over and over and over and over. They made him carry his cross to a hill called Golgotha. They put nails in his feet. Some of you kids can walk on rocks barefoot. I can't. I don't understand that. So my feet are like so tender. Can you imagine someone driving a railroad tie through your feet? The pain. And in the movie, they dislocated, I, I, I'm not sure, but in real life, but they, I think they dislocated his shoulders, pulled them out to stretch them out, and they stuck railroad ties through his hands and his feet. Now here's the craziest thing about Jesus If someone did that to my kids or somebody I cared about, I'd be so angry. And you know what Jesus did? He finished what he started. While he's being beaten, while he's got nails in his feet and in his hands, while his shoulders are dislocated, while they're mocking him, do you know what he does? He prays for them. Not only was he physically doing what God asked him to do, but he was mentally and emotionally and spiritually completely engaged in finishing. In sports, you know, you hear coaches say, Finish. There's no one that finished better than Jesus. He finished and they didn't get to his heart, they didn't break him. And he prayed, he said, It is finished. they took him off the cross and they put him in a tomb and they even had guards outside to make sure that his body wouldn't be taken away and three days later the stone was rolled away he wasn't there they didn't steal his body he raised from he raised to life And because of that, we can take the bread and we can drink the juice and we can remember that Christ's body was broken and that his blood was shed and we can be thankful, amen? So take and eat the bread, first of all, and remember that Christ's body was broken for you. Take the juice and be thankful and remember that Christ's blood was shed for you and for me so that we could be sin-free. Let's stand together this morning.